and welcome to episode five of the Marketing Pod podcast, how to develop a leading brand by building great teams. I'm Jenny and I'm here with my pod co-founder and fellow director, Jody. Hello. And we're also joined by Glenn Smith. Hi, Glenn. Hi, how are you doing? We are good. We're good. Thank you. How are you doing? Yeah, great. Thanks. Uh, looking forward to a good 2021. Happy New Year to you both. Oh, and to you. Absolutely, Glenn. Let's hope so. And uh, it's brilliant to have you here. So thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, Much like us, Glenn is a B2B marketing specialist and he spent much of his career today in one of our favourite sectors, utilities. He was most recently sales and marketing director for Wave Utilities, a leading national water retailer formed from Anglian Water and Northumbrian Water Group. Jodie and I were particularly interested in the opportunity to chat to Glenn today here on the podcast because he was involved in the rebranding of WAVE and in the rollout of their leadership development program, which developed cultural change right across their organisation. That's right. And today our plan is to focus on the role internal culture plays in building a successful brand. But first, we thought it might be a good idea just to think about what it's all for. The primary objective of any brand is surely to create strong, enduring customer relationships. So... Glenn, we know that B2B customers often go through quite a lengthy process when choosing a supplier or partner to work with, but we've heard you say that it's also important for brands to choose the right customers. Could you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, thanks, Julia. I absolutely believe in that. The starting point for me has to be knowing your sense of purpose and what's at the heart of your brand. You know, a brand takes a long time to build, but it can be destroyed very, very quickly indeed. And you mustn't be tempted to choose customers or contracts for a, for a short-term game that, game that don't align with your values. Uh, I've got an example. Uh, when I was working for a Swiss firm, actually, we designed and sold fire alarm systems. And we traded on reputation. And we were actually known in the market as being the most expensive. High quality, but very pricey. But we used that to our advantage. Now... It made no sense for us to try and sell our expensive fire alarms into shops, bars and restaurants and and, and places like that. But hospitals and museums where fire detection was absolutely crucial, that made perfect sense. The customer wanted a high quality product and were prepared to pay a bit more for it. And I believe that if we'd try to sell into the bars and restaurants just to expand the business, which was one of our goals, would have damaged our reputation the higher price and the suggestion of higher Swiss quality allowed us to be different. Uh, If we'd got sucked into lowering our prices, competing for any contract, we'd have just become another fire alarm company and would have actually ended up opening up the higher end of the market also to our competitors. So we'd have been in the mix with everybody else and it absolutely would have been tougher to win business. So that's a a useful example of of why I think it's important to, to choose your customers carefully. Great, absolutely. Um, it's one of the things that, that Jen and I do. And um, when we're doing our own pod marketing, we try and lead by example and only choose clients who align to our own values. Um, Jen, you'll probably remember a good a good number of years ago, one of the bravest things that we've actually ever done is to walk away from a client whose own values completely clashed with our own and because values are ultimately your DNA. So you're yeah, you're absolutely right on the value versus volume game. Um, one of the things that we can focus on the right clients that are strategic in our business rather than getting lots of small clients, for example, but both are equally important. But I think it's important to, to have that thought process in place right at the beginning when you start out that you know 
who your audience is and that you have the right customer for you. Yeah, it's so true. It's so important to hold on to the values that differentiate your brand. And that's how you carve out your own space, like you say, Glenn. It's, um, as you say, about the connotations of a Swiss brand, denoting high quality and reliability, as we kind of know. Sometimes it's possible to build around a perception that already exists, which is what you you know, you know, guys were able to do that. And to focus on price when you had that important differentiator already at your disposal would have been reckless, really, wouldn't it? And like you say, put you in with a mix of, of people that you didn't really want to be competing with because they didn't have the same product and while it may have paid off with client wins in the short term it really could have devalued your brand and done uh, much more lasting damage in the longer term you've absolutely hit the nail on the head it's about that longer term damage you know if you focus too heavily on price eventually your customer relationships they're not relationships they just become transactions and when you compete on price typically what happens is that you drive down your margins Uh, And if you keep doing that, eventually you can't afford to give great customer service. So that impacts your relationships. It impacts your ability to retain business. And, you know, you end up with an unsustainable business model. Um, When it comes to contract renewal as well, if you've won the contract first time round because of your price, because you've discounted, you're likely to have to discount again. You know, it's a vicious circle. You're unable to nurture your accounts and some of these great brands we see that have got long-term customer relationships, you're just not able to, to deliver that or generate that. So I believe that really strong, enduring brands have relationships that begin with a well-defined set of brand values. And when your values match your customers' values, you've got the best chance of a long-term sustainable relationship. And that, that's the only way really to add value for both parties. Completely agree, completely agree. Um, on that note, one of the tactics that we've seen a lot more focus of in focus on in B2B marketing is ABM, account-based marketing, which is something I, I, you know, we're all now well-versed in. And it has grown in popularity over time because it's proven that when you really do invest in those customer relationships, they can deliver that ongoing value. Um, the attention to detail and the hyper-personalization through digital um, tech that we can now achieve is really helping B2B businesses secure those right customers for them and then deliver that amazing tailored experience that will grow the value of those accounts. And I think more and more people are seeing the importance of playing that that long game rather than setting those short-term transactional sales targets. It is about delivering those those enduring relationships with with people that that align with you. Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't agree more, Julie. Yeah. Okay, so I guess what we've already heard here is that relationships that a business forges with its customers are critical to success. Absolutely. And I think there's always been an, an understanding of that overall, hasn't it really? But traditionally, it would come down to individual salespeople or maybe regional teams doing right by customers. And today, it's a much more of a strategic objective and a brand objective. You know, it's company-wide. It's not down to one individual or a sales team. And it has to be consistent across the entire customer journey because nowadays customer expectations have really changed brands need to step up to deal with that really you know their expectations are right from their very first interaction with you 
uh, far more widely than it used to be. So I guess that takes us on to our next question and gives us an opportunity to pick your brains a bit more, Glenn. Um, so we know, for example, when we do branded workshops, we think about brand personality first, and then we'll go on to kind of visual identity second, because we all know that kind of brands aren't really just about logos. It's so much more than that. And we also know that all of the brand workshops in the world won't have the impact that you want unless you also get your teams on board and they're delivering against those kind of brand values. So what would you say, Glenn, are the most important things B2B brands should be focused on when they're at the stage of laying these foundations? And if you were setting out with a new brand now or rebranding an established business, actually, what are the first things that you would want to do? Great questions, Jen. Um, I think for me, a good, strong brand, again, it really comes back to your purpose. You need to be absolutely crystal clear what you stand for you you know you, there's almost a need to be obvious in what you do uh, i'll give you an example of utilities uh, that's the space I, i'm kind of from uh, if you're a utility company selling energy that wants to build its customer portfolio you might want to do this by helping your customers lose uh, use less energy and if you were this company, you'd need to tackle that head on as some potential customers might not actually believe you're genuine when you put that offer forward. But if you explain right at the start that you do this because you're trying to find the next long-term relationship and not just another transaction, they're more likely to work with you. But this is important. They'll only work with you as long as their values match yours. If they're just after the cheapest price, you're probably... Uh, approaching and trying to sell to the wrong business in the first place. So be really clear about your purpose right from the start. I think that's absolutely, absolutely vital. Um, and you've also got to make sure that your employees are staying true to your brand. You know, I've worked with many salesmen over the years selling on value and not price, but lots of salespeople will happily go down and discount away if they think they can win the business to to uh, uh, contribute towards the targets and that can be you know think about the swiss example i gave you earlier that can be very damaging and the final thing really is about consistency you have to be very consistent you know every communication with every customer has to relate back to your values and the key thing for me is employ people that care about those values that really buy into them you know, we've all been to that shop where an employee's behind the counter on their mobile phone or we've contacted a call centre and we've had an arrogant person on the other end of the call. You know, the businesses that employ these people would be absolutely horrified if they knew these things were going on. You know, simple things like that can be very damaging for a brand. So your people absolutely need to buy into what you're doing completely agree one of the things that we've actually made a change ourselves Jen is that we've actually started to when we're recruiting people we have our values listed and we do like almost like a little checklist against them because you're absolutely right making sure your people exhibit those is is so important and it's something that we're hearing more and more often especially on that consistency uh, when a customer might have contact with a different with a business across several different departments it's so critical that their experience is consistently good um, and that every team, team member they speak to or exchange emails with or whether it's a live chat or social media exchange, they're all singing from the same hymn sheet and um, exhibiting the brand values. Um, and t- internal culture itself achieved 
through really good internal comms has such an important role to play here doesn't it um, what's the point of getting all your external marketing right if your brand values just aren't shared or advocated by your internal teams you're just setting yourself up for, for a failure um, I wonder then if you've got an example um, for us of where this has been done really well yeah, I think if you imagine a brand that is built around providing exceptional standards of customer service, you know, your employees need to be empowered to deliver that. That needs to be their objective. Uh, I believe, you know, it, it's really important to lead people in a way that gives them some freedom to do what's right and to meet those brand values. Um, what I mean by this is if you've got a customer service team that are following a process or a procedure, and there's a set of circumstances with a customer where that procedure doesn't fit, it's absolutely no good insisting that your employees stick to that procedure. You know, computer says no is not an answer that customers want to hear. So the internal culture needs to be right. You need to empower your employee to be able to make a difference, to find a solution that results in a satisfied customer. Uh, and that's very different both for the customer and for the employee uh, now, your employee might not be able to resolve the issue then and there. It might take them a bit longer, but with some flexibility, you'll get a much better outcome for your customer and you're going to get a much more engaged, happier employee as well. Does that make some sort of sense? Yeah, it really does, Glenn. It really does. And it's something that begins right at induction, I guess, doesn't it? So when they, they're kind of first set foot in the door and it, it must be followed up with regular training and keeping everyone in touch with what's happening. It's you know, it's not just business targets or progresses, you know, made by the business, but also making sure that teams know what's happening in the market. You know, they know what's out there and importantly, what their customers um, and their stakeholders want and need. Um, that kind of information disseminated in an, in an interesting and engaging way just helps to let your teams know that they're important and hopefully motivate them to just become your, your best advocates, really. Today, we've talked a lot about building relationships and about understanding customer priorities and stakeholder priorities. But right now, sustainability is really high on that list, isn't it? But doing sustainability poorly is perhaps worse for brand perception than doing anything at all. Today, I would say that brands probably need to stop setting those really ambitious goals and really going after them, embedding sustainable values in everything they do. Do you agree with that, Glenn? And have you got any tips for brands who want to make sure that they do prioritise sustainability? Yeah, well, I, I actually think that businesses don't really have a choice. You know, sustainability is becoming such a hot topic and people will choose not to do business with companies who don't do it. Um, from a business-to-business business perspective, uh, it's already starting to happen. If you look at some large public sector tenders that have come out recently, maybe four or five years ago, they might have been weighted 50-50 on quality and price. Uh, lately, they've been more 80-20 to 80% quality, 20% on price. And one of the biggest scoring items in that 80% is around sustainability and social values. Uh, so there's a change how organisations and people are procuring, particularly in public sector, but that's only a matter of time before uh, other big organisations see that as the way forward because that's what ultimately their customers will demand. 
uh, they'll only want to work with businesses that are doing the right thing. Definitely, which which in turn has brand implications, doesn't it? Because you want to be seeing a brand that's doing everything that you can. Yeah, we're seeing with with um, things like the green, this, get my geek on slightly, but the greenhouse gas emissions, the scope three, that pressure now really coming down the supply chain. So people can't ignore it because it could re- mean that they risk not winning businesses for the reasons you've cited, Glenn. You know, the the, the shift in the waiting on these tenders is is notable. And it, it's something that we're looking to do here at Prod, isn't it, Jen? Um, we work with a lot of clients. Um, utilities is one of our one of our areas of focus where sustainability naturally is high on their agenda. And we'd, we'd love to know that we're trying to do everything that we can. There's always more that we can do. Um, and we've made some small changes around the office, you know, recycling, hygiene products that we choose. Um, and we've even created a team green here um, where several positors, they get their heads together every month to understand and look at what our um, emissions are and things that we can do to improve them and it's brilliant that everyone is keen to get involved um, and is interested genuinely interested in making pod greener honestly Julie that sounds really great that's exactly the type of thing that you need to be doing it's so important to engage with your people uh, and it sounds like you're definitely doing the right thing. So, uh, yeah, a big thumbs up to that. Um, can I give you an example just to uh, hammer this point home a bit further about how important it is to engage with your employees? Now, this is a, a true story. Uh, a hotel chain, imagine a hotel chain that invested heavily in the latest water efficiency devices, so shower heads and taps. Now, they install these in every room without really explaining to their people what they're trying to achieve. Now, when the cleaners come into the room in the morning, the first thing they do is flush the loo. They then whiz a bit of bleach around the toilet. They then take the dirty towels out of the bath, put the plug in the bath, turn the shower shower setting to hot, as hot as it will go, and then turn the shower on. They then go out of the room, closing the door behind them, and they start to make up the bedrooms. Now, once they're finished in the bedroom, they go back to the bathroom, which is now all steamy and full of condensation. They take the plug out of the bath. They use the towels to wipe down the dripping wet walls, the mirror, the floor, the toilet seat, and so on. And for good measure, before they leave the room, they give the, the, the loo a final flush. And bear in mind, they're probably moving on to another 10, 20, 30, 40 rooms. And if every cleaner's doing that in the hotel, it's a big impact. Now, you have to take your hat off to the staff that used their initiative to make sure that they were being as efficient as they could, being very quick at what they did. But think of the water and energy wasted in that cleaning regime. You know, the hotel owner achieves only a fraction of the savings that they wanted to. And that's an example of needing to take your people on the journey with you. If they'd spent the time with their employees explaining that they wanted to be the leading hotel chain from a sustainability point of view, things might have been different. They could have engaged with the cleaning teams, asking them to come up with their ideas on how they would work in a more sustainable way, the most sustainable way possible. And I think if they'd done that, I'd suggest that those bad practices in that example probably wouldn't have happened. 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's such, it's, it kind of really labours that point that it's so important to take your people on that sustainability journey with you and make sure they understand the reasons behind the measures that you're putting in place. So we're at the 20 minute marker, so we're going to have to wrap up here, Glenn, but I'd love to just give you an opportunity to round up with one final piece of advice. If there's something that you were going to say to marketing leaders and perhaps business leaders in general out there, what would it be? Um, well, for me, the most important message has to be you need to think about the culture of your organisation and create a culture where people understand and buy into your values and particularly your brand values. And, you know, if your ethos is to give great customer service, but your employees have to follow strict processes and procedures that sometimes don't fit the situation, well, that's not a great, really isn't a great place to be. You need to empower your people to give great customer service. Um, Finally, just to add, you know, at a time when we're all working remotely, this has never been so important. So my, you know, the overarching message is ensure your people are engaged in the latest thinking, collaborate with them, get them involved. Don't tell them what what you're doing, involve them. You know, they're your best source of new ideas to drive your business forward. You know, do this and some wonderful things can happen for your business, I'm sure. So true, Glenn. So true, and, and probably never been more important than it is than it is now at the moment as well. Um, so, thank you so much for joining us today, Glenn. We have absolutely loved chatting to you. Um, really interesting subject today as well. So, I guess that that is uh, that's it from us too at the pod. So that's goodbye for now. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast. This is the fifth in our series, and you can find them all at themarketingpod.co.uk forward slash podcast or stream them wherever you usually find your podcasts. 